Welcome to the return of checking out the competition. I'm super excited about it. This is probably not the first one that you're going to hear, but it's the first one that I'm doing, so I'm pretty pumped. And we are joined by Sky from Stanley Cup of Chowder. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. And about yourself? I'm pretty good, actually. Good, pretty, good. Pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, usually when we're doing these things, we've had some games and there's a season going on and everything is normal and we're functioning. It's not, no, in a, a it's not late July. Yeah, it's, it's not the summertime. People aren't sweaty. Like, So this is new territory. So I guess I'll start off by asking you, um, how are you feeling about everything getting started again? Are you excited? I am optimistic. Um, I'm certainly much more optimistic now that I've seen what Major League Baseball has done with it and how much the NFL has been dragging its feet on this. Somehow the league has ended up looking like the most together league and given everything we were talking about before the Rona happened, Mm-hmm. That just feels like the strangest thing. It's like a, f- it's like a room full of people that you know could probably be the least trustworthy, and then the guy who looks the slimiest ends up buying you a car for nothing. It's, yeah, it's, it's bare. It's out of it's out of nowhere. I, I never would have predicted that the NHL and obviously. Nothing has started yet, and we're right at the beginning of the teams being in the bubble, so anything could happen. But at this moment, it seems like they're doing it perfectly. And I never in a million years thought that the NHL leadership that seems to screw up literally everything at every turn um, seems to have really nailed this. And it seems like they're keeping the players safe. It seems like they've made the proper calls as far as like these concentric circles of bubbles that they're keeping people in like I I'm super excited about it because it really seems like it's going to work and I wasn't sure that it was going to so we'll see how it goes but right now I think you know let's just see what happens guys yeah right (laughs) hopefully it's not a baseball situation which is like I don't know how they thought that they were going to have travel and it was going to be fine but that's neither here nor there oh that's That, I believe, is uh, hubris writ large, as they used to call it. You're not wrong. So, the Bruins. Yes. They were, um, I think that they, I'm trying to remember things from the before times, and it's very difficult. (laughs) It feels like it's been 400 years since the regular season was going on. But if I'm remembering correctly, the Bruins were one of the teams that had some injuries at the pause that I'm assuming have shaken out, but there seem to be some new ones um, that have popped up, particularly David Pasternak seems to be having a little bit of an issue. Um, And then I also read that Tuka Rask has a broken finger or fractured finger or something like that. Um, Uh, He had a fractured finger. He was doing box jumps and he slipped up doing that. But that was at the very beginning when everyone came back to Boston. So, He's 100% now. Oh, okay. Well, that's um, good for you. It's less mm. good for people like me. <laughs> you have Carter Hart. What are you concerned about? That's true. We do. Um, but Pasternak seems like a big one. Um, how confident are you that he's going to be able to play? Um, the funny thing about that is that it had 
abso- it wasn't really an injury as far as people know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it, he was declared unfit to play, which doesn't really mean anything. No. As, we, as we all know, for anyone who's been following a team with injuries, uh, he and Andre Kasha have been hanging out during quarantine uh, over in Europe. And when they came back, the very first thing that people saw them do was go tool around the north end of Boston and then go to an outside rink and play. And mm. we don't know what happened. We are pretty sure that they came into co- the the theory as it stands and this is not a this is not substantiated well at all is that it, they came into contact with someone that the bees suspected to be covid positive and they said you're in quarantine for 2 weeks we're not uh-huh. we, we need you we need both of you to be 100% um yeah because Kasha them, is also <clears throat> out I, I didn't mention him but he's also yeah. One of the guys that's not practicing, which was a real a real pain because Kasha, when they traded for him uh, with from the Ducks, he was hurt, and that's sort of the the story of Andre Kasha is that he's great when he's healthy, but he's rarely ever healthy. This was right. a great opportunity for him to you know get healthy, not be concussed as much anymore. And get more acclimated to the system, and then he and Pasternak go to a rink somewhere in Boston that isn't Warrior, and so they're off the and so they're off the ice for two weeks. So move on their part. No, no, but my my there are quite there are a lot of uh, the the radio folks have been enjoying that storyline, but personally, my ability to care about that goes down directionally. Uh, proportionally to the amount of Richard trophies that any other <laughs> player on the team has won recently. I hate to break it to you, it's one guy. So yeah. even even if they look a little rusty, <clears throat> there's nothing, in my opinion, that's better to shake off the rust than live targets. And the, on Thursday, you got to play the Columbus Blue Jackets, which is a hell of a live target. Mm-hmm. Did Charlie so, McAvoy miss some practice time as well? Uh, there was a good group of the team that missed a, at least a couple days worth of practice time. Mm-hmm. It was in the middle of the week where about seven, the total of players that were quote unquote unfit to participate were up to nine. And then all of them except Pasternak and Kasha came back. So I think it was either... Uh, we got, we just got you back, and now you're getting sore, or yeah. you came into contact with somebody who we think might be COVID positive. So we're gonna, th- you're gonna go home for a couple days, and we're gonna see how that turns out. They were all fine, or as Bruce Cassidy talked about a lot, they get their COVID tests, and it either says uh, the test didn't go through, the tests were late, stuff mm. like that, and gotcha. so. It's a lot of the a lot of the players were fine. It's just they really wanted to make sure they didn't want to have like nine players with COVID come through and infect the whole team. Right, that was which the, is again yeah. speaks to how well top to bottom yeah. the NHL is handling this. Which is yeah, they almost every team. Well, no, not almost every team has been treating this 
like money is on the line, and which it very much is, mm-hmm. but not only, you know, the prestige of winning the Stanley Cup and many team, teams now who probably previously would not have been given an opportunity to do it, have have the chance. And so you really don't want to screw that up for yourselves Seriously. by having someone lie or having someone say, oh, I can, I can play through it. Just every team official just saying it once, go to the go to the doctor or go quarantine for two weeks. That is wild. It's yeah, it's great to see. And it, it really makes me confident that they're going to be able to pull this entire thing off without having a baseball incident. Um, yes, that would be, that would be good. preferable. Yeah. So our teams right out of the gate, first round Robin game is going to be flyers Bruins on the second. Yes, it is. Um, so that's going to be super fun. And for the Flyers, as you know, and as people listening know, the round robin games are um, kind of just like bonus for them because the Flyers are the fourth seed of the round robin teams. So they've got no place to go but up. Um, but obviously there's some some seeding on the line for the Bruins. How important do you think it is? that they really crush it in this round robin or would you prefer kind of like the way I'm approaching it for the flyers is treat these games kind of like practice to get yourself ready for the real playoffs. I'm of two minds about it. Obviously you want to be, you know, the team got up to hundred points. They were the best team in the league for months and months and months. They deserve to be rewarded with, weaker in quotation marks competition Mm -hmm. when they get to the playoffs. That being said, you know, after three, four or five months of this, I I do believe that this should be considered good practice. And especially considering that you've got uh, a couple guys like Zach Sinitian and Jack Stidnika who are going to be part of your roster who are realistically the best shot you have right now in your prospect pool to add new blood. Um, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to give them as much live practice as you can. And if that seems a little in, if it's a little weird to start out, then fine. And if you lose a game during this little round robin bit. I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. I would be very concerned if they if they lost both of them, because right. that just seems that seems like something's wrong. Which you know they this team has gone you know months and then weeks with you know a downtime or an Olympics break back when we had them uh, and during off seasons and they've come back swinging every time. What well, when their rosters were healthy, I don't see I don't see much of a reason for them to lose as many games as a as people might be afeared that they might do. I would be I if something bad happens like they lose both of their games and they're against a a a weird a weird opponent, fine. But I'd be more concerned about you know why did the defense not work? Why isn't the offense working? Mm-hmm. Or what happened to the Vezina candidate that we had in net? just uh, over <laughs> half of half a year ago. So Are, I'm looking, I'm looking at it as just wait and see, but try, but try to use it as an opportunity to uh, try something. 
Yeah, are are Bruins fans a little bit salty about the fact that they have to compete for that first <clears throat> overall seed, or is it just kind of like we've all accepted what it is now? It's there's a little bit of an undercurrent. There's a little bit of whenever we look at it, when there's a little bit of uh, you know, this this team was good enough to be first overall in the NHL. We don't have to, you don't need to be told that this team is. We don't need a, to play three games to know that. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I, I think there's a lot more people that just say, I don't care. I've been inside all, all, <laughs> all, all basically all year. Um, and I've had nothing to do. I've run through Netflix's entire library. I've got gone through all the good stuff on Disney plus. I need something else to do. And I, I think a lot more people are looking at it as cool, fine, whatever. I'll be mad about it if they lose for the first game, and then I'll be right back to let's go Bruins for game two, and then when the playoffs start, which it'll basically be as if the regular season never left. So I don't I don't think a lot of people are as mad, but it's just a light it's a light undercurrent of salt because because if they end I up mean, with a Boston they end, sports fans. You, you you take what you can what you can get you're you're there there is a deep there is a deep undercurrent undercurrent of salt in every part of boston for sure i mean i'm a flyers fan so you know i can't really throw that many stones as far as an undercurrent. oh i disagree as i understand it that's a thing that f- that flyers fans are very good at <laughs> typically within their own arena not we don't throw stones in the arena only light up bracelets Oh, okay. And only when we're very upset, not under normal circumstances. Mm-hmm. So sp- speaking of seeding, um, mm-hmm. which team would you prefer the Bruins end up drawing in the first round, the actual first round? The Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, yeah, I feel like they're such a fraud of a team. <clears throat> I totally agree. I, I have. It's it's weird because I know that the over the last regular season back in caveman times <laughs> they were doing pretty well and they gave the Bruins fits but <clears throat> my problem with the my problem is the other options make me want to gouge my eyes out mm. um I don't want to if the Rangers decide that they're actually good again and and that becomes a thing I don't want them to run into that I would rather skin my arm than play the Toronto Maple Leafs again I would probably have nothing but vile feelings about having to see the Habs in the playoffs. Uh, I'm not a huge, I'm, I'm not big on facing Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin right out of the gate. Um, I would rather fall asleep than play the Islanders. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of, I, I, of the teams that I see there that could realistically make it out of this uh, play in tournament, uh, it's really only the, the Blue Jackets that I feel comfortable with mm-hmm. because that's a style I understand. I understand what's wrong with them. And more importantly, they're beatable. Like they I, play, a, sure. they play, a, they play a weird style and they can be kind of, they can be kind of squirrely, but they're beatable. The rest they're, is just, yeah. your my brain will go smooth. And so will the players on the ice. And that what's that's what bothers me more. I got to tell you, as jumbled up as all of this is, if they 
if the Bruins end up playing the Maple Leafs again in the first round, I'm just going to be so upset. Just because, like, like you literally, you're putting every team, like, into a hat and shaking it up and seeing what comes out. And if that matchup comes out again, it's just going to be like... This, this dance card has been full for the past three years, and I want them to go away. And the worst part is, because it's Toronto and a vast majority of all hockey media comes out of Toronto. Every game is a referendum on everything. Goaltending, calls, non-calls, players being dicks. There's Brett Marchand in the mix. He's usually a storyline. And, oh, God, I can't overstate how much I just want the Toronto Maple Leafs to go away forever. And hopefully, hopefully, John Tortorella will work some of that crazy man magic to make that happen. Because if they don't, it's just going to be the most insufferable playoff round tied with every other time the Boston Bruins (laughs) and Toronto Maple Leafs have have made it to face each other. It's just the worst. It, uh, it, you should, yeah. Thank your lucky stars. You don't have to play Toronto four times a year. I see. I, I mean, I like the Maple Leafs, but also, um, everything surrounding that team, as you said, is just a giant pain in the ass. So if we had to play them literally every playoffs for what feels like our entire lives, I would, uh, yeah, just, I would just imagine the, the the insane imaginary narratives around Sean Couturier. <laughs> there would the, there would be no one, almost everyone that I know of has nothing but positive things to say about Sean Couturier. If he played the Toronto Maple Leafs for the for three years over the past past few playoffs, he'd be a goddamn demon, and Absolutely. no one would know why. He doesn't even play that bad, so, like that, and he would be. So I was going to ask you about this a little bit later, but since you brought him up, okay, Coots should definitely win the Selkie, right? Like it's time. Probably. For Patrice he, to hang up. Yeah. I, I've I've taken a look at the evolving hockey uh, RAPM charts and I've looked looked at everything there. Um, it's probably Couturier's turn. He's he right now is the premier defensive forward in the NHL. That being said, reputation gets you an awful long way in this game. And as as I'm as I'm sure many people will many players can attest because their careers have been artificially extended. Not as not meant as a criticism, but it's true. The um I, I think that well yes, Bergeron has been good. He's now got miles on him. He's been injured every other at the start of nearly every season under Bruce, he's not putting up as much time and energy to show that he's the best defensive forward in the league, which in my opinion, he's, if, if he's not right up there, the, he, the only person that beats him is Sean Couturier or Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. So I, I think that, I think that it's Coots year. And frankly, if we're going to start adding more and more people that take, advanced statistics seriously, I think Couturier is going to start winning a couple more. He's really, really good. And yeah, I, I mean, wish he was a Bruin. I, I kind of think of it like Crosby and McDavid. Mm. Like, 
obviously, Sidney Crosby, like Patrice Bergeron, has a history of success that you would point to to say he's better than Connor McDavid as a whole. But right this very second, but, yeah, Connor but right McDavid now, is better than Sidney right Crosby. Now. Oh, so. absolutely. And more importantly, he is. And one second here, I just need to make sure that the. Yeah, he's 27 and Bergeron's in his 30s. Couturier's going to be around a little longer than Bergeron is, and he's probably going to win the Selkie more than once after this. I think it's time for him to pass the crown to Couturier, at least for this year. If if Bergeron comes back fully healthy in whatever the heck 2021 looks like, then then who knows? We'll see what happens after that. But right now, I would say the the the, gul- the gap in talent right now is pretty stark. He's he is something else right now. Yeah, it's been um pretty fun to watch people realize because most there's always been a contingent of Flyers fans back when Couturier was playing on the third line with garbage wingers, um that were kind of disappointed in his offensive production and and didn't think he was going to be anything special. But there was a contingent of us that could see very clearly what kind of player he was going to be. So it's super exciting to see him actually turn into that and have now the rest of the league take notice that he's actually insanely good. So that's kind of fun. It, it, It happens to every one of them. Bergeron started as a pretty bad defensive player. And they just slowly implemented it more and more as time went on. So I think that Couturier having to deal with the dregs is a is an important uh, an important measure in teaching him maturity. Yeah, that's how I'm going to look at it. Is <laughs> you may you can be the best forward on the team, and you probably are, but that means you have to drag some boat anchors if they if they tell you to. I was just going to say, like, it seems like that's what they do. Like, if if you are actually good and they strap the anchors to you and you're able to shake them off, then we know you're yeah. one of the good ones. <laughs> it's like learning how to swim with a with a uh, with a concrete block stuck to your back. Exactly. You you either swim or you sink. That's it. So back to the play-ins, or not the play-ins, the uh, round robin a little mm-hmm. bit. Um. One of the fun things about the way this is all being done is that we've got on each team a bunch of kids that are getting to come along for the ride that you assume aren't going to get any playing time, but you never know. So is there anyone on that list of black aces or whatever you want to call them that the Bruins are bringing along to Toronto that you think, if they were to get in the lineup, might make a little bit of noise? Uh, Jack Stadnika has been Boston's big prospect for month, years and years and years at this point. He's, well, it's not years and years, but you get what I mean. He's, he, what, he led the Providence Bruins in scoring this year. He's been getting better and better and better and better with every year that he's been part of this team and part of this system. He has been playing out of his mind and Frankly, he just looks better every time that we've seen him at training camp, at uh, preseasons. It always looked like he was just about there. He just needed to clean up some bits of his game or we needed him to do one thing really well or stop doing something like 
he's a center and he play and he tries to play off the wall, which mm. he needs to stop, which he, which he needed to stop doing. And he stopped doing that for the best, for the, uh, for the most part, he looks like the guy that probably is going to be a major fixture of this team for the next four or five years. As for other black aces, uh, this Trent Frederick is a depth forward, very physical, very tough guy. Uh, in his first ever NHL game, he threw a big old fight in front of his dad. It was re- it was real fun. <laughs> uh, he d- he definitely ingratiated himself to the Boston fan base very quickly. But he's a guy who's all about the depth style of play. He's physical, doesn't really score all that much. Uh, he didn't really score all that much as a Providence Bruin this year, but that's not what they asked him to be. If someone like, say, Sean Corrali gets injured or someone in the depth starts to have problems, that's probably a guy they're going to go to. If they play Columbus, who's a physical team, uh, they're probably going to try and add him to the lineup just to uh, just to balance things out, try and keep a guy who will keep order sort of deal. The mm-hmm. big... One that, oh no, no one's tried to talk about it because it's it's not a comfortable subject for Bruins fans. Is that they've got one guy who probably needs to make some noise if he ever gets in the lineup, and that's Zach Sinishin. Mm. He is the only guy of that infamous draft where they could have had Barzell, Shillington, and. Yeah. <clears throat> Could have yeah. had Travis connect me. <laughs> they could have. They could have. Instead, they chose Sinitian. But, and that has been a massive black mark on Don Sweeney's draft record ever since he got here. Mm-hmm. And so if he makes this team, if he's asked to be on this team, he has to score. He has to play to the level that he is expected to be at. He has been fine as a Providence Bruin. He hasn't been great. He has not. He hasn't led meaningfully. He has been hurt. I will give him that. But he should be doing better than a guy who is going back and forth between the ECHL. That's mm. how I look at it. He should be doing better than Alex Petrovich. That's <laughs> that's how I look at it. So if he goes, if he plays, he has to be playing out of his mind, because after that he will probably be a very he he's probably he's not making it after mm-hmm. that this is his, this is really one of his last chances in boston he's been given plenty of last chances but this is it at least in my opinion yeah, other than what that is it? his uh draft plus 4 at this point yeah 3 or yeah. 4 yeah it, it is it is his draft plus 4 so yeah you kind of you kind of got to be doing something at that yeah. point if you're yeah. going to be something. So what would you say um, is the the one key thing that the Bruins have to do right in these playoffs? Not necessarily just in the round robin, but in the playoffs generally. Like, for example, I think that the one thing, like if I had to pick something that's the most important thing, it's going to, it's going to have to be Carter Hart playing as well as he did in the regular season in the playoffs. This is obviously his first playoffs. We're going to have to see how he does under all the pressure. 
I think for the Flyers, that's kind of the most important thing that needs to go right for them. What would you say for the Bruins is that thing that needs to go right? Depth scoring. They got to get the depth scoring right away. Um, it's been an under it's been an under discussed issue because the first line has been so good, and whenever guys like uh, Jake DeBrusque scores, it's always a highlight reel. Whenever David Krejci has some crazy power play goal, or or has or passes to create some crazy power play goal, it's a thing that people will remember. But this team still has a lot of guys who are considered role guys who are considered, you know, third, fourth liner types who don't really score all that much. And, and that's a, <laughs> that's kind of a problem yeah. because there, a couple of them were expected to be like top six wingers, like Anders Bjork, who came from a very well established college system, played very well for the first couple years he was here. And then he got hurt and then he got hurt again. And now he's, good but he doesn't really shoot which is kind of a problem yeah (laughs) um the and we just and the the Bruins just traded a guy who was good but he doesn't really shoot sort of deal you've done it, it the big the big question is how does Charlie Coyle take the dregs that he's been given which is unfair I like Nick Ritchie but how does he take those players these depth guys that either are more concerned with the defensive side of hockey rather than the offensive side, or the guys that are just there to hit and punch and do things like that Mm -hmm. and turn them into scoring players. Because as we've been discussing, Patrice Bergeron's great. He's a fantastic player. And so is Brad Marchand. And so is David Pasternak. But if you can shut that line down, as we've seen, over and over and over throughout this regular season, if the depth doesn't step up after that, it becomes a nightmare to try and even score a single goal. Because this team is the one team in the National Hockey League that somehow has to be told to be selfish. (laughs) They, they, They are pass first to a fault with the exception of three players. And that, and one of them is a defenseman. So you should probably instill that scoring is not necessarily a bad thing no it's good goals i know that some of the nerds will tell you goals are as as many of those pocket (laughs) protector wearers have told me you gotta score some scoring is in fact a good thing do not just possess at some point shoot the puck (laughs) no 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 shoots only possess (laughs) get those numbers up um final thing with absolutely nothing to base it on, okay. give me a score prediction for this first game, Bruins-Flyers. Um, I think that using the last couple games as a, as a model, which is not especially great, they were, you know, about a million years ago, um, I'm going to say that it's going to be close. But I'm gonna say that it's not gonna be that it's not gonna make ever anyone feel good. I'm thinking yeah. it's gonna be two one, and I'm pretty sure that it, that two one is gonna come from extra time. I was kind of I was gonna say two one too, like it's two one three two, like and not like a pretty one, oh, like no. a, it, a like a grindy back and forth. Ugly the tying goal. goal is going to make everyone very mad. 
even yeah. the team that scores it is going to be very mad that they had to do that. Yeah, I think it's just going to be like, you know, the first game. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be shaking off rust and figuring things out. And it probably won't be pretty. And it could definitely go either way. I'm going to say 3-2 Flyers, just, you know, for funsies. I'm, I'm going to say, for the, for the sake of the team and for the sake of my, my own personal belief, it's going to be a 2-1 overtime win for, the, for your Boston Bruins. All right. There you have it. We'll see how it goes. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am so happy. I've started to run out of things to do. This is amazing. Seriously, it's going to be so great. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Guy, you can find him at Stanley Cup of Chowder, which of course does wonderful work because it's an SB Nation hockey blog and they're all outstanding. So please visit them. Um, yeah, enjoy the game on Sunday. Thank you. I think you'll have a lot of fun just like we will. Mm-hmm. Go Flyers. And may may the best team win, which will be the Boston Bruins. <laughs> I just hope both teams have fun out there. <laughs> I just hope they have a good time. Yeah, everybody have fun. Nobody yeah. wins, nobody loses. It'll be great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, go sp- Flyers. All right, yeah. Go Bruins. <laughs>